Welcome to Money and Meaning, a podcast where we connect with people around the world who are working to unlock the power of markets for impact. I'm Tova Lobatz, SOCAP Global's Executive Director of Strategic Partnership. This podcast series is hosted by SOCAP Global and the Sorensen Impact Institute. SOCAP Global convenes the largest and most diverse community in impact through live and digital experiences that educate, spur conversation, and inspire investment in positive impact. We work under the leadership of the Sorensen Impact Institute, which helps organizations achieve their impact vision. The Institute is proudly housed at the University of Utah's David Eccles School of Business. Each episode of Money and Meaning features stories of amazing people who are leveraging the power of capital markets for the betterment of people and planet in a just and sustainable way. Recorded at SOCAP 23, this episode of Money and Meaning features a conversation with three members of the team at Raven Indigenous Capital Partners, Wahia Gaste, Diom Deer, Rebecca Waterhouse, and Jeffrey Sear. They discuss how they are working to increase access to capital for Indigenous peoples in Canada through Raven's Indigenous Outcomes Fund and community-driven outcomes contracts. Enjoy the conversation. Welcome. My name is Wahigatste, or Wahi. I am from the community of Ganawage, which is a Ganyakahaga community just south of Montreal. I myself am Ganyakahaga, Mohawk, from the Haudenosaunee Confederacy, the Iroquois Confederacy, and I come to you as the Senior Director of Raven, uh, and I have the pleasure of leading our relationship work. Um, at the core of everything we do at Raven uh, are the relationships that we hold with community, with the ecosystem, with government and investors, um, and I have the pleasure of honoring those relationships each and every day in my work with Raven. I am joined by Rebecca Waterhouse and Jeff Sear, and I'll let you guys introduce yourselves. So tell me a bit about yourself, your position, and the work that you lead at Raven. Thank you. As Wahi noted, my name is Rebecca Waterhouse. I typically go by Becca. I am a principal on the Raven Indigenous Outcomes Fund, a first of its kind Indigenous Outcomes Fund serving Indigenous communities in Canada. Um, I have the honor of working to work to build and structure these innovative financial mechanisms that we call community-driven outcomes contracts. I am infused with a great deal of learning picked up from a background in social innovation and social enterprise development, as well as social finance deployment. Um, coming together to really, really just afford access to supportive resources, namely capital for equity-seeking groups and alternative um, entities like that of social purpose organizations in Canada. Um, getting to work at Raven is a dream job of mine, and so when I had the opportunity to connect with Jeff, um, it was an easy, easy yes for me, I think. So I will let, I'll let Jeff speak to himself now. Um, as you heard, my name is Jeff Sear. I'm the co-founder and managing partner of Raven Indigenous Capital Partners and uh, lucky to be the CEO of, as well of our Raven Indigenous Impact Foundation. 
I am uh, first and foremost, though, a father of five and a proud uh, husband to Nicole. And um, my home territories in the prairies in Canada, in the Red River Valley, uh, what we know as the White Horse Plains area and the traditional buffalo hunt staging grounds, and I'm from the Métis Nation in that area. I now live and work in unceded Algonquin and Huron-Wendat lands in Mont Tremblant, Quebec. And I come at the work of Raven. Um, I had the good fortune to meet um, both Stephen Aaron and Paul Assert, who I'd known for a few years, and really address um, what we saw and what community and enterprise uh, founders told us is uh, a fairly massive access to capital gap, both at the enterprise level and again at the community level. And when we mean capital gap, we're talking specifically about patient, flexible, indigenous-led capital that shows up in a good way. And that's a response to what I think is a fairly uh, racialized subconsciously, uh, a lot of the time, uh, financial system that hasn't treated our people well. Um, and, uh, you know, they're put up all sorts of barriers to, to access within that. So I think that describes me and who I am in the space. And then we can turn it over and, and dig into the issues a bit. In speaking about social finance and the important work that we do, I think a great starting point of the conversation is always someone's why, you know, why you commit your time, um, your courage, your determination to this work and where that comes from. Um, so I'd love to maybe start with you, Rebecca, if you could tell us a little bit more about your why um, of working in this field and, and doing this work and, and being part of Raven. Sure. I think it's maybe just more critical to think about why outcomes finance. Um, there's a ton of mechanisms, you know, of, of getting money uh, to those that need it. And, and um, it works best, I mean, from my experience, but perhaps objectively, when it is situated in community. And that access is afforded to community through a trusted relationship, a safe relationship that's appropriate. Um, and that is ongoing, you know, it, it grows over time uh, and it respects the boundaries of each party, right? Um, it's, it's reciprocal. And so why outcomes finance specifically? Well, at Raven, Raven is putting forward a methodology, the community driven outcomes contract methodology that situates community at the center of decision-making in a typical social impact bond, a pay for success model, you're, you're getting government interest. So public dollar interest typically that's driving a certain need um, or desire. And, and that can often exclude the vision of change that community is seeking. At Raven, it's critical that this theory of change and the outcomes that are being sought are leading the discussion from design through implementation, the voice, the leadership and representation are there. And so that's my why it's because it's going just in the, the nature of the design of the mechanism itself. It 
will allow for success. It will de-risk the opportunity for all parties involved. And it tackles and it tackles really, really tricky issues, systemic issues that need to be addressed. Okay. I think getting that personal story, that personal perspective is just so fundamental to understanding why we move in the way that we move in this field. And Jeff, maybe if you could ex explore a little bit more about your why, uh, the why behind Raven, the why behind um, Alchemist Finance work, and just kind of where that comes from within. Sure. Yeah. Thanks for <clears throat> the question. So maybe I'll, when I think about my why, kind of divide it into two kind of categories. And the first, which probably is somewhat obvious, is that I look around at our people and I see not equal outcomes for our people in both livelihood and health and education. And it has always driven me in my career to think of innovative ways to address the differential, often called the gap. And um, when you really start to unpack that, and if you've been in this space for a while, you inevitably end up thinking about the systems that come behind it. So it is the second why is about, I believe that we've created systems that were designed to act in a certain period of time and they're not particularly relevant or at least not addressing the social, political, economic issues that are in front of people generally across the globe these days um, and specifically in Indigenous communities. And what I mean by that is that economic systems that were designed four to 500 years ago with a certain purpose of colonization and extraction of resources um, persist. So we don't have the right modern tools to address modern problems. And so then I turn to the why, as you asked, of social finance. And to me, it just seems obvious, but maybe it is not to everyone, that the current modalities of interacting and trying to solve problems, whether you're a government some sort of um, public service agency, we're not for profit or charitable organization, which is usually on the front lines of doing this, um, doesn't have enough tools in the toolkit to address or enough levers which to pull. And there's lots of examples of ways that this happens. You know, if you have someone who's got an addictions issue and is homeless, but is living on the street, ends up the police picking them up, putting them in ER rooms, we're not getting anywhere near to the root causes of issues. So we need to think differently about what's pulling things behind the scenes. And so social finance, as Rebecca said, you know, really allows us to unpack the system and to try to move capital to look and act differently at addressing complex issues. And so that's why we did Raven uh, in the first place, because capital wasn't showing up in a good way. Now, I think we've learned in the last five or six years about how to innovate and be creative around the tools. Um, and we've also learned at how hard these tools are to execute on in a system that's still biased against the new tools. Um, but that kind of summarizes sort of technical idea of the why. Um, 
but you know, on a really deeply personal level, it's about my children and their children and who's coming next. And inevitably, it's about the planet, the place that we live and how we're going to care for it and what are we going to do about that. I will say you also have the wonderful opportunity when you work in social finance to work with some pretty phenomenal, passionate people. That's true. And that is a gift. So, Yeah, some cool people doing cool things, which is... And thinking about some cool people, I will say that, Jeff, you've put together a really phenomenal team at Raven. And I think the question of everybody's why um, is why we work so well together and why we're able to get so much done in a good way is because each of our whys, I think, is inherently connected to a common value system that we all share. And for me, when I stepped into my position at Raven, my why is really kind of what what brings me peace and what gives me power. And when I think about that, um, I think of the Ohondo Gairiwadekwa, which is a traditional teaching for my people, which is all about gratitude. And it's, um, it's, a, it's a form of mindful meditation, um, kind of steeped in traditional knowledge of starting each day or starting each meeting, um, starting each important event in one's life with a Thanksgiving address, thanking the water, the earth, the moon, the bugs, the roots, the people who are no longer with us, those who you love, and just appreciating them, giving gratitude, giving recognition to those things. And for me, what gives me peace and power are each one of those things. Um, and I think Raven, Raven's mission, Raven's vision is protecting those things uplifting those things that are so near and dear to me and um, really uplifting indigenous communities in the process. So I think our, our whole team, um, we work so well together because of that why. So for those of you listening, I think I, I invite you to explore what your why is um, and how you are actioning that why. But maybe let's turn to, to Raven. Jeff, if you can talk to us a bit about um, who Raven is and what exactly Raven does. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll try to, I'd love to jump into topics of, you know, power dynamics and, and things that we all kind of don't talk about too, too often, but it's behind a lot of our work. Uh, Raven, so we started in 2018 as an Indigenous financial intermediary uh, to address the, the aforementioned capital gap. It's uh, a small organization, and what we do is we, we pool capital together from investors, and um, we create funds and distribute those funds at one level. And that is into Indigenous-led, uh, owned um, enterprises with high Indigenous impact. And that Indigenous impact actually comes before the commercial consideration, so we don't even look at... Uh, businesses with any degree of depth until they've proven that there's an indigenous impact as part of what they're attempting uh, to do with their business. Um, so we we managed to um, do a first fund at 25 million, and then a second fund more recently at 100 million, and we're deploying that capital into indigenous enterprises. But what's really important that while we were doing this, we were also exploring outcomes finance and the first community-driven outcomes contracts and, and geothermal energy and on-reserve residential situation and then kind of expanding the exploratory of that work 
into health, in particular type 2 diabetes stabilization, which we've been working on for a few years. I think if you, what does Raven do is we aggregate capital together and then we we have the ability to have indigenous-led and indigenous epistemology and thinking lead how we're going to place the capital. And there's something important in the middle of that that we don't really talk about, but it, to me it's critical is that when any equity-seeking people, group of people, have the ability to control and own the capital and determine how it's placed, you actually are allowed to innovate. Otherwise, it's very difficult to innovate with how capital shows up. And so it allows us to, to talk about things like decolonizing the investment process. What does that really look like when you try to do it? And you experiment a bit with it. And i you know happy to report that that experimentation is an ongoing thing. And it's an exciting thing, and it's we've changed how we do things, or we've tried to change how we do things. Um, uh, that's no, it's no end point. It's a journey that will continue to evolve over time as we learn where people are. Raven also has a foundation, and we set up the foundation on purpose, really to do research, ecosystem development, design um, of financial instruments and tools, and really try to because we understand that there's a lot more work that we needed to do than just place capital. We have to do whole building of things alongside uh, and create uh, a learning environment where we could be of most assistance to our people, broadly speaking. Uh, and, you know, Raven has, you know, as I said a, a couple times lately, the unique misfortune of being the only indigenous private capital provider in this space as an intermediary. That's terrible because we need a lot more Ravens um, in you know working on behalf of our people because Raven is small in my opinion uh, in, in the whole capital markets game, um, but we're having, I think, outsized impact with that. So that's kind of how Raven operates. Small but mighty team of dedicated people like yourself and Rebecca and others um, who you know want to drive change. Um, fundamentally. And so I think Raven is allowing that creative space about how that change is going to be driven. Uh, mm -hmm. so. so if we think about Raven, to summarize that we have one wing working on VC, investing into Indigenous entrepreneurs across Turtle Island, so that includes Canada and the United States. And then under the other wing, we invest into communities through this innovative model. Um, Becca, if you could talk a bit more about what exactly the outcomes finance model is that we use and a little bit more about the community-driven outcomes contracts. Yeah, the CDOC model, the, the, uh, which is championed by Raven. Um, the CDOC model, well, as I, as I often mentioned, it's, it's, it starts and stops with communities. So Raven is privileged to live in uh, an ecosystem where we are tapped into um, a great deal of community wealth building activity and those leading it. And so as the venture capital team was, was working diligently, um, communities came to Raven uh, with, with certain questions about accessing supportive, safe, you know, culturally safe and appropriate capital to kind of look at electrification so, and energy sobriety um, in community. And so Raven decided that the best way to do that was to sit down with community, invite disparate actors to the table, inclusive of counsel and chief and counsel and leadership, um, 
the province in Manitoba, uh, as well as uh, key players in the space. Um, so philanthropic, um, as well as private capital. And so the discussion was there and community noted that they'd like to see certain core outcomes, training, employment, installation of renewable energy. Uh, and so what Raven did was Raven w went away and we structured uh, a business case of which was then presented to a prospective purchase purchaser who was already at the table, importantly, uh, and they agreed to purchase said outcomes. And so with that agreement, Raven went to market as Jeff noted, to aggregate the required capital for the community-driven outcomes contract. And, and thus the, the, or, the origination of the CDOC model itself. Um, this, uh, the word of the success of this project um, really picked up as it does from community to community in many contexts. And um, the application of the model as a solutions lens was asked to be explored in type two diabetes, as Jeff said. And what we learned was that uh, a CDOC is extremely effective in when there's certain characters or characteristics, excuse me, in place. Um, you have a community that is eager to see change and act upon their vision for change. And they are engaged and they would love to participate and maintain that ongoing participation. There's a Secondly, there's an evidence base supporting the intervention type of which um, they are proposing in which we can support uh, in terms of um, the economics. And, and the economics being there's a perspective cost savings perhaps um, that is attached to that. Um, there's a number of impact factors in there, track record, um, a really solid uh, uh, core implementation partner that is rooted in community, you know, and so, that is how Raven has begun so many wonderful conversations with communities that are looking to replicate and apply that as a solutions lens across uh, different different um, issues. Thank you, Rebecca. And and for those who may not be as familiar with outcomes financing, you may have heard of social impact bonds. You may have heard of pay pay for success models. Um, and that's very much the space that we're working within. It's really a type of P3 partnership where government procures outcomes uh, and we work with community at the heart of everything that we do um, to make sure that communities are provided that upfront capital from private um, investors and that community is owning and leading all interventions and execution um, and that government is 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 along for the journey and, and eventually pays back that upfront capital um, so Raven really acts as a as a translator as an advocate as a friend as a supporter um, along this journey for community really to determine what goes on in their communities what innovation can happen and the future that they're building for their children um, and so maybe I'd like to explore a little bit about Raven's new outcomes finance fund and where the thinking came from that. So Jeff, if you can explore a little bit more about the new fund and, and tell us about it. Sure. So, uh, yourself and Rebecca have gone over the territory of what an outcomes contract is and it's basic technical sense, how it works. What we discovered along the way, uh, along the journey over the last couple of years is that when you raise capital, so there, there's several sides to it, but when you raise capital 
uh, on a one-by-one outcomes contract basis, it tends to be highly inefficient, first of all. Um, two, that you um, miss, I think, the aggregate learning opportunities if you were to do several at once and gain, I guess, your execution efficiencies as well, not just your capital raise efficiencies. And then I think we're in response to what we're seeing from the demand side of um, communities wanting to bring forward this sort of change. Um, and... Uh, you know, having experience with doing funds, it made most sense, I think, to look at aggregating capital at a greater level and driving change at a greater level as a result. So we uh, made the decision to put together the Raven Indigenous Outcomes Fund, which was just this year. Uh, we started fundraising at the end of the summer and, you know, progressing on that. It, it, it does allow for some really interesting things to occur when you put it in a, in a fund level. One, I think it's, again, uh, you can build due diligence processes, investment processes, expertise, uh, bring on partners that can survive more than one single project. They survive the life of the fund and you kind of um, start um, building a cadre uh, of organizations and people to work with you get efficient about how to do it. You can, we have a core process called the Indigenous Solutions Lab process where we sit down with communities, as mentioned, kind of build out the model, um, build out the interventions they want to do. Um, but we're able to, for lack of a technical word, squish those processes into shorter and shorter timeframes. You get efficiency. Now, why bother with efficiency? You would probably like, why is that a great concern? Well, we really only do this work to move at scale. We want to affect a lot of people's lives in a positive way. That's why we do what we do. And to do to move at scale, you need to aggregate at scale and really um, make what I would call market-ready tools, market-ready products that the investment class that we really need to come forward, which is larger asset holders, uh, have a thing that they understand, right? So we, we can understand a general partner, limited partner structure. We know how it works. Um, it's familiar to them because outcomes contracts on their own are not new, but new-ish in the ecosystem. And this, you know, allows them to deal with something that they understand. Every degree away from it you move, it gets to be um, perceived levels of risk that you don't, you don't necessarily need in the ecosystem. So that's why we build a fund, to gain all those things. At the core of it is we just want to do more of this work. We think more people need it uh, in Canada and globally and that it can um, change how things operate. And I want to just, you know, dive into one aspect that we haven't talked about at length yet, and that is how governments procure services on behalf of their people. So governments have a lot of muscle memory and how they structure programs and services, and often, as everyone knows, you need to fit into that box or they need to tick that box, and if you don't do it, then uh, you can't receive those resources. And this happens uh, all the time. Like you need, you know, mental health resources, but they want to know your address, but you're homeless. So how does that work if you're trying, if you understand what I mean, they're not really addressing the problem because they're stuck in systems that were not built to deal with it in uh, a good way. We believe governments can procure services better for better outcomes. 
And if you're anywhere on this planet, you know that government is consistently trying to seek better outcomes for their dollars. And it's an ongoing debate, the use of tax dollars uh, in any country under any system, in Canada and the U.S. and everywhere else as well. So everyone's looking for ways to innovate and get better outcomes. And I think at the core of this procurement of outcomes is finding new ways to do it better and putting the equation on the right side of it. So putting it in the hands of community, as you both have said, and letting community be that building block because they will own the intervention and they will be bought into how it's done. So that way it's not a cookie cutter approach. It's actually a bespoke approach with each community about how it gets done. So anyways, that's my broad-based, probably somewhat messy description of an outcomes fund and why we do it. And, and for those who want to learn more, um, we do um, invite you to reach out to us. We're happy to have conversations with the folks who want to learn more about the fund, more about the model, more about Raven in general. Um, we're always happy to hear from folks around Turtle Island and around the globe as well uh, to talk more about this work that we're very passionate about. Um, and, I, and I think I've... I've gotten some interesting questions in the conversations and, and the questions that people have for us. And one recently that stuck out to me was, you know, outcomes finance seems a little bit complicated. Why, why is it that you chose this model? And, um, you know, is it, is it hard to work with all these different actors? Is it hard to do the work that you do? And, and for me, I always go back to my why, which is how we started this podcast off. And I say, you know, it's much harder to see my people suffer. It's much harder to see money used as a tool of extraction and a tool of hurting my people and my communities. Um, that's really the hardest thing. Working to innovate, working to heal with capital is so much easier. And I'm willing to work 110% harder um, to create a better future and a new way of doing things, a way that works for my people and, and, and our communities. Um, that's easy. The hardest thing is to, is to let things stay the same. So um, I offer that, that piece of advice for those who are in the trenches um, working to better their communities is, is really what's your why. And um, I thank you for, for having the courage and determination uh, to keep working towards that. So I want to maybe let everybody have a quick moment to, to send everyone off in a good way. And um, maybe, Rebecca, do you have any, any final thoughts for folks who, who are listening, who are curious about Raven, who are excited about our work? Um, do you have any words to share with them? Well, Raven comes across as innovative. And in fact, of course, we are this idea of money with intention, value-based money in capital has been around since almost time immemorial, right? It is not a new concept. Um, and that is what Raven is aiming to infuse the market with and how we show up in all of our spaces. Outcomes finance, it is not new. You know, we have the privilege of leaning into global precedent at Raven. Our outcomes fund, while well, first of its kind um, in the indigenous context, uh, is pulling from best practice. And so our friends in the UK, 
Scotland, um, in the USA, in Denmark. We are part of a movement of, of progressive and ready uh, individuals and entities looking to achieve just much, much more progress, you know, than where we're at. And so uh, we have a lot of great relationships. We're always open to having more and continuing these conversations. It is about capacity building, education, and Raven cannot do it alone. So um, as Wahi mentioned, join our conversation, join us in this journey um, as an LP, of course, but also um, as a philanthropic partner, as an advocate. Um, there's tons of ways to show up, um, and we're eager to eager to have that. And Jeff, if you want to bring us home. Yeah, I'm going to play off both of what you said, um, that the both of you said. Uh, first of all, Raven wouldn't exist without allies and partners. It was an uphill battle, and if partners weren't there... I don't just mean financial partners, those in spirit and, and allyship who, who showed up to promote our work. We wouldn't be where we are. Um, so that's that's a, a big thank you. Get you a big wish to them. Um, but it also is we need, as Rebecca just said, those partners going forward. But let me just address the, the hard work and why do the hard work component of it. And I think the answer for me is simple or has been increasingly simple is, well, what's the alternative and the alternative is to let things go as they are. So if you want more financially and socially excluded people, if you want services that don't meet needs, if you want more extractive wealth building processes, if you want to not um, address the, the, the hurt done to Mother Earth and what that means for the next set of generations, then we can continue on. But that's, you know, in my opinion, the, the alternative is, you know, really you've got to do the hard work and show up and it turns out it's hard but really rewarding and you get to meet great people doing great things. And uh, I just want to kind of say that. And I think I just need to say a big thank you to everybody out there again, uh, uh, to all those who work at Raven, all those who support Raven, all of our families who, you know, uh, put up with our sometimes exorbitant time away. And... Um, and support us in, in doing this work. And the outcome of that is happier and healthier Indigenous people in our country. So, Thank you, Jeff and Rebecca, for being here today. And thank you for those listening. Um, we invite you to join the Raven Circle. We invite you to join the Raven Conversation. Um, and we look forward to being in relationship with each and every one of you. Thank you, Nyawa and Onigiwahi. Thank you for listening to this episode of Money and Meaning. If you are inspired by the conversation and are interested in getting more involved with the SOCAP community, join us at the next SOCAP. Learn more and register at SOCAPglobal.com. Be sure to subscribe to Money and Meaning wherever you get your podcasts to be notified of our next episode's release.